Welcome to Culture Eats Strategy. Eats Strategy. With your host, entrepreneur Jamie J. Jamie J. On this podcast, we unpack the most powerful, intangible culture. Culture. Culture is way more than a mission statement or words on a wall. It's how a company behaves. It's what informs every decision, action, and reaction. Culture is the invisible hand, the true north that guides every organization. And if you create a legendary culture, you will build a legendary company. A legendary company. Now, here he is, Jamie J. Jamie J. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Culture Eat Strategy with Jamie J. That's me, <laughs> the bearded guy that wears the hat and t-shirts. And uh, I know that's off-putting to some, but you know what? That's who I am. And uh, that's the culture that we live in. Uh, I want to make sure that when we go to work, we are comfortable, much in the same way. I call it the Zuckerberg effect. Um, you know, he, he doesn't waste a lot of time in the morning. He, and and jo- Jobs, Steve Jobs does the same thing. They put on a t-shirt. They don't want to waste the time on decision-making. Plus, that's that's they're comfortable. I got rid of all my suits and my ties uh, when I left corporate America, with the exception of one. I just felt constricted. It wasn't me. And uh, you know, kudos to those people. Yeah. If if you're not watching this and you're listening to this on a video, I've got Mike Sackmary here that's going to be joining us today. And he just did the universal chokehold there. And, uh, and, you know, there's, there's something to be said for that. And, And now if you love corporate America, good for you. Keep going do what works for you. For me, I just really wasn't a fit. As a matter of fact, I had a nickname when I worked in corporate America and uh, it was JT. And what does JT stand for? Jamie time. What does that mean? I couldn't stand going to the meeting. So I would show up late or I would do everything, but I did my work. They didn't let me go. I actually left on my own accord, but because uh, uh, because I, I enjoyed what I did, but I didn't enjoy the environment I was involved in, and my meetings were draining, and oh, it was terrible. So everybody called me JT. That being said, I'm driven by, uh, I'm fascinated more, I guess, by different cultures and how people, you know, learn and 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 perform their own cultural values within their own organizations. And while strategy is very, very, very important have to have, you must have a strategy in order to achieve any objective or goals. But if you forget to identify your core values, your mission, your vision, your culture, right? You're the guiding light, the true north uh, that affects every decision uh, in your organization, then uh, you're going to have a high churn rate. You're going to have a lot of people turning over and it's going to be really hard to scale and it's going to be, ha- it's going to be really difficult in my opinion for you to achieve what it is that you want to achieve. Um, so uh, without any further ado, I want to be getting into introducing you to Mike Sackmary here. Uh, just before I do, though, I do want to give a selfish little plug. If you find yourself extremely overwhelmed in your business and you're doing all those things in the business that you don't like to do, but they have to get done, you know, the the, the bookkeeping and the, the managing your calendar and the building your own website and adding landing page, doing all that stuff that you really shouldn't be focused on. You should be focused on that high level stuff. You might want to check out bottleneck.online and figure out whether or not you are the bottleneck in your business and uh, see if a virtual assistant can help you out. You can go to bottleneck.online to learn more. Okay, let's get into the show today. We're going to be talking with Mike Sackmary. Get this, 12 years 
of rocket engineering. 12 years of rocket rocket scientists is who we're talking to today. It's pretty fantastic. He transitioned from running his own investment firm and saw the need for the whole sales paradigm to shift. I think this is fantastic. He co-founded a company called Constant Closers to provide professional people who turn prospects into ardent evangelists for your own business. And we're going to go into three different things here. Um, the three main genius mistakes that many of us do uh, in our business. And we're going to, Mike's going to demonstrate how you can, number one, identify each of these three areas. And then what you can do to overcome or kind of make the, each of these challenge areas, or as he calls them, genius mistakes, and, and turn those into positives. Uh, so to learn more, you can go to constantclosers.com. And, and again, we'll uh, address this as we uh, come and wrap up towards the end. But without any further ado, Mike, welcome to Culture Eat Strategy. I am stoked to have you as a guest today. Oh, I'm excited to be here, man. Um, I first heard about your show. I went and started listening and I subscribed to the podcast. And then uh, I just didn't even cross my mind I was going to be a guest one day. So this is super exciting. I'm really <laughs> happy to be here. Um, and uh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Holidays to everybody out there. Yeah, as of the as of the time of this recording, it is it is December twelfth. So if you're listening to this six months down the road or whatever, just know it's about to get real with all the holidays and everything like that. So pretty pumped about that. Uh, and and Mike, yeah, tell me a what before we hop into these three genius mistakes um, that you find a lot of people uh, do. Um, what does culture mean to you? Culture is everything that we live and breathe and eat and sleep. It's who we are. Um, so th there's many different cultures. And part of uh, my culture, part of our company culture, my personal culture is having respect for other cultures as well. Mm. So mm. It, it's knowing who you are, your why, your mission, and, and really living that. that. That all goes into making your culture. It does. And you know what? I'm going to kind of put you on the spot. What is your why? My personal why is I, um, I really want to help people. That's always been a driver for me. And so, um, sometimes the nice guy in the room gets abused or, you know, whatever. I mean, we know what human nature is like. Mm. Um, I've been in business, um, 30 <laughs> something years now, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's ways you can help and give value and still make money. So my why is be a nice make, guy. Yeah. And, and be, <laughs> And you can be kind, you can be compassionate and at the same time, be professional and be firm when you need to be. So yeah, that, it just, it works for us, you know, built two companies around that concept now. And it's my big why is how do we help people? Um, and, uh, one of my, uh, one of my primary investors in this company said, well, let, let's narrow that down to better phrasing. Let's say we do well by doing good, or we make money by solving problems in a good way. So that's kind of mm. how, how he likes to describe it. Yeah, see, I think that's really cool. And there's something to be said for being kind, leading with kindness, showing respect. Um, and I wonder, which kind of neat, uh, I, I, the, one of the, you call this genius mistakes. How'd you right. come up with that term? Uh, also, we were working on the uh, space shuttle program. And we're working on the engines. And rocket, rocket engines are a little bit complex. Well, yeah. And... <laughs> Um, 
I, I kept thinking, why are we coming up with errors? Because, you know, why, why are we finding the same kinds of problems? Like we might solve problem A in situation B, for example, but then problem A would come up again in situation F, right? So it's mm. like, why is that same type of problem repeating? And it came down to this. I, I coined this term genius mistakes. I'm sure other people before me had thought of it, but I hadn't heard it. So I decided I coined it. There you go. Uh, there you go. And uh, I said, you know, a genius mistake is when you're so smart in your own mind that you let the same error happen, but you didn't catch it because you were thinking it, you know, you were thinking in a different direction. Oh. Um, and when we started the investment firm, we started seeing particularly early stage companies making the same kinds of mistakes over and over. And we're like, doggone it. We will really want to fix that. So it's not limited to any one industry. No, definitely not. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> and, and I would never in a million years consider myself a genius. However, I would consider myself making the same mistake over and over again. And it was definitely for me, very frustrating because I didn't pay enough attention to the little things. I think is in, 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 in my world. And so systems processes are, are a big part of my life now, which really helps out. But I wonder if you might want to address um, the first main reason. Uh, you said the leader is the bottleneck. Yeah. So we're, we're talking about three genius mistakes that we've seen a theme of companies failing or, you know, not staying in business. Um, and the, the common thread of these three is they all they all result in your sales not being greater than your cash burn rate. So you run out of money. I mean, mm. we've just seen this in different industries, different size companies. It's a common thing. So being your own bottleneck, um, and we've all done it. You know, if you're a company founder or a company leader of some kind, you've already got initiative, you've got drive, you've got vision already. That's, that's why you're there. But we, we've all made the mistake of trying to do too much by ourselves. Mm -hmm. Unless, unless perhaps you might be, you know, one of the rare people that didn't do that, but most of us have done that. <clears throat> so that, that's the first one. Um, and to address that, what I always love to tell our clients is, uh, even in the interview process, when we're, we're kind of deciding if a prospective client is a good fit, if we can really help them, I kind of fish out of leaders. It's like, are you able, truly able? to be humble in a good way, to be humble, to listen and not criticize the commentary that you're hearing, but just to absorb it, gel over it, you know, let, <clears throat> let the people around you that know you well, help you see where the parts are that you shouldn't be handling yourself. Mm -hmm. Maybe um, open to suggestion, constructive criticism, sure. uh, open to change maybe. Yeah, and and that's a that is a definite blind spot with many company founders is they're they're blinded to this concept of change because we get you know I've been I've been here too, man. <laughs> <laughs> we get so blinded to our vision, right? And and this the is the way it should observe. be done. <laughs> this is the way it should be done. Um uh, and we've all heard the phrase, you know, this time it's different. The four deadliest words <laughs> in business. <laughs> or, or this is the way it's always been done. Yeah, there's the other classic one. It's like, well, <laughs> if if you're going to do it the way it's always been done, then 
go work for a company that's already doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, there's no innovation, no opportunity for creative, creative design, and and no. uh, It doesn't let you build a flat organization. We do that either because there's no energy. There's no, um, as you say, people are not innovating, but they're not innovating because they're not excited to innovate. Yeah. Oh, you just said flat organization, and that's probably a good segue for number two. um, Not earning respect in a flat organization. I wonder if maybe you can define in your own words what a flat organization means and then what's the alternative to that and and how in your opinion what's the better way to go and how do you make that work so flat organization for us means that there's not a or or say there's there's not a um kind of a ingrained thing in the culture of thinking well there's these different levels and these different you know i can't handle things above my pay grade kind of thought um, a flat organization, that thinking is weeded out. Mm. We train it out of people. So even though I'm the CEO and president of the company and co-founder, you know, the person that is not at that level yet, some of our new people, some of our young 20-somethings, they have the same voice that I do when it comes to talking about the company and how we're going to represent ourselves and how we're going to help clients. Now, I still make decisions, but the reason the decisions work is because I have the respect of the people in the organization. Mm -hmm. They're not afraid of speaking up. Not afraid of speaking up. Um, One of our vice presidents has this phrase, she loves to say it's a meritocracy of ideas. I'm like, okay, quit using the big words. I'm confused. (laughs) (laughs) But. I love the way she put that because it's like, yeah, that's exactly what we're after. It's like every idea that gets presented has equal value until we as a team discuss it and figure out what we want to do. Now, that's not a new way of doing things. That's been around for thousands of years. What we love that that is different with us, because we're in five different countries, we're across different cultures and different languages, we really want to have everybody believing Believing because it's absolutely true that they can speak up and say something and there's not going to be criticism. There's not going to be blowback. There's not going to be any of this. Um, Now, you know, I used to work in a giant company and we had, you know, yearly performance reviews and boy, if you did something wrong, what was the old rule in business? You know, one oops wipes out 10 attaboys. Oh yeah. (laughs) Remember that? The the negativity is so spread so much quicker than positivity. Yeah. And, uh, and we didn't want negativity because we are, we're sales as a service. You know, we're becoming people's in-house sales teams, even though we're outsourced. So when we're representing their culture and transferring that to their clients, there can't be any negativity. Yeah. Can't be. So the only way that happens is there's no negativity in our group. So uh, one thing I love to do to address it is, um, well, I, I did two things. Okay. The first bonus payment we ever got from a client, uh, totally unexpected. He just handed me an extra check and I'm like, okay. Um, at the time, our company was four people. I did a four-way split and the other three people were like, you know, one of them was that same vice president came up with that idea. She calls you up and she's like, what's this? <laughs> I go, no, that's how we're going to run. That's how we're going to run. 
is a senior team, everybody on the senior team, when we get bonuses, it's just an equal split. I don't care. I'm paying the corporate taxes out of my pocket. Don't worry about it. It's bonus money. We're just doing it that way. You know what happened? Oh now I got God. three strong evangelists that are telling everybody they know how much they love working here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I just, that's how we've run since. Um, and uh, so that's, that's me. I mean, not every leader or manager has that, that kind of approach or that, and, and that's okay. You got to be who you are. Mm-hmm. But another thing to earning respect in a flat organization, you always, 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 always want people to come to you first when there's a problem, no matter how bad they mess something up. Yep. Now, um, this is very important, but I can't emphasize it enough. I mean, I, I'm the kind of guy that sends contacts, you know, letters. I'll do phone calls if I can get on with other CEOs. And this is a point I always try to get to with somebody. It's like, even if we're not doing business with them, I try to get to this point. It's like, are you, you are the face and head of the company. However, that works in your outfit. Are you really encouraging your people to come to you with a problem? Or are you waiting until you hear about it from someone else? Mm. Are they scared to talk to you? Are they scared that when they talk to you and you're all nice and friendly, they're going to get back to their desk. And by that time it's filtered back down through eight levels. And now their boss is chewing them out. And six months later, they get a bad raise on their review because, you know, of this time they went and talked to you. Yeah. And they're scared to tell you it happened. Cause it's like, they're not going to come back and tell you there's a retaliation because they won't get fired. Yeah. Right. So, in our organization from day one, I, and, and you got to live it. So I live yeah. it because I model it. When I mess up, if I'm, if I make a mistake, the next time we have uh, one of our weekly business calls with the team, I say that I'm showing them I'm doing it. It's okay to say this. And then I ask them, it's like, what would you do differently if that situation come? came up and you were the person that was in my shoes. How would you handle that? And here's the magic and the excitement because I literally don't care. I honestly really don't care how old somebody is or the gender or anything else. I care about the idea and the heart and the attitude behind the comment they make. You can't, you can't teach attitude. No, it's either there or it's not, but you can model it. Yeah. So you know, people will say things because we have now three different generations in our company of, um, of age groups, right? People will say things that they've, they've grown up differently than me. And I never thought about it that way, but they say it, this light bulb goes on. And I'm like, oh man, I feel so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's good because you can, you can talk through challenges together. Yes. Um, one of the so it, while you were talking, it was reminding me back in the days, and I won't mention the company, but I worked for a relatively large radio company, and I thought, man, I can't wait to work for this radio company because it's radio. You get to be creative and you do all these fun things. And ooh, did I later find out it, it was it was crazy. One of the first things that gave that away was the um uh. 
I, I, I don't know if it was a regional manager or above that, a district manager, something. It was, it was a big wig. The big wigs were coming in to check out the offices. Before that person arrived, our local general manager handed us a mission statement on a piece of paper and said, okay, memorize this before they get here. And when they ask you if you have any questions, you don't say anything. If you do have a question, you come to me first, and then I'll say yes or no on whether or not you can ask that question. And that blew my mind. Because what they were trying to do, this high-level executive, what he and his entourage were trying to do is come around and identify challenge areas or things that were working, right? And all our GM wanted us to do was talk about the things that were working, not the challenge areas. And that was, this was back in 2004 or five, somewhere right around there. And at the time, I didn't realize that was culture in the way that we know it today, or I know it today, or understand it today. And, but I still had that gut-wrenching feeling like, you've got to be kidding me. How are we ever going to improve on our challenges if we're not able to address it with somebody higher up? And that happened to me also in the military, in the army. Oh Lord, when, we, when, the, when the general came in to do the inspections in the barracks or do whatever, the high level, big, big brass guys, we weren't allowed to say anything. All we were allowed to say when they asked, how is everything going? How are you feeling? We were, I'm great, sir. I'm doing well, sir. Everything is perfect, sir. That was all we were allowed to say. You couldn't say, well, to tell you the truth, <laughs> you know, oh Lord, man, you were, you were going to be hurt and had that come into play. So when you talk about that, a lot of organizations are running that same way. And it's almost, they run by fear. Yes. How, how uh, is that? I don't see how a company can thrive or grow in today's economy or business world. It boggles my mind because, yeah, I, I saw a lot of that in the aerospace business. Um, but I also saw some really great people. And yeah. uh, I had, you know, I too am quite familiar with the United States Army. Um, <laughs> hey, hey, they paid for my college. I got to say that ROTC program in college is the. I mean, it's great. It's really great. But uh, oh, and and please don't. I don't. There were great officers. The, there were. I don't want to take away from the army. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't no. want to take away from that. But it's a it's a huge organization. Yeah. Right. And so, because human nature is what it is, you're going to have some people in there that aren't listeners. Mm-hmm. And some of those non-listeners are in positions of power and they don't lead well. Yeah. The leaders that I loved the best and I respected the most were the ones that were literally out there training with us. Yep. If it was time to go on a run before class at, you know, oh what what we used to call dumb o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Oh dark 30. <laughs> oh dark 30. <laughs> uh, you know, the captains. The lieutenants are out there running with us, and we're a bunch of engineering suits. It's not like we run fast. Um, <laughs> but the ones that were out there, those were the men and women were like, yeah, I want to be like these leaders. Yeah, I don't know what that means because I'm 19 years old, but I want to be like these leaders. Yeah, well, they're uh, down in the trenches with you. Yeah. Um, and, that, you know, I, I do that. It's part of our interview process. I love it when we're interviewing for people that think they want to join our team. And I say, okay, how many hours a day do you commit to role-playing with people that have no experience? Ooh. What? I'm like, okay, you need both kinds of role-play. You need to role-play real 
business situations with people that have more experience than you. You need to get smacked around verbally so you can learn, but you also need to practice with people who have no experience because yeah. you not really learning something unless you're helping teach it. And um, yeah, it's just, I just got that, you know? So thank uh, well, you. I got thank it. you army for teaching me that concept. Yes, exactly. And, and, and I did get a lot out of the military. Let me tell you that. First of all, I did get a lot out of there and, and I'm thankful I did it and, and, and all of that stuff. And it was very challenging. A lot of good things came out of it, but some, some of the cultural values that I've taken away from that um, has made me the person that I am today. And yeah. I, I, I really believe in this, having this flat organization. I think that's fantastic. Um, I will say one of the biggest things is not everybody on your team is going to share because people can interview well, and maybe the first month or two, or even the first year goes really well, but then you can see things changing and maybe some negativity creeping in or the water, water cooler effect starts playing. Yep. And that can be nowadays, you know, remote related. It can be, you know, in one uh, a brick and mortar and it just starts one kind of thing starting off and maybe a, a private discussion that can start creating this sense of doubt. And as you said before, or I stated based on what you said, negativity spreads a lot quicker than positivity. And I think one of the things we need to do as leaders, especially in a flat organization is, is exactly what you said, Br bring this up and, and allow them to say, Hey, you know, this is what I understood, you know, conflict resolution, but do it in a positive manner. And if it doesn't, fix the situation. I think there needs to be immediate action in order to take care of that negativity. Oh yeah. Um, and if that's, if that's letting someone go, if that's letting a client go, um, I think it's something that you just need to do right away and, and just get it off your plate. It's hard, but that's the way I operate here. So I, I have one client story that I'd like to share since you oh, brought that up <clears throat> and I do have permission to talk about it, but I also, um, you know, I, I told him I was never going to use his name on the air. And he's, he's like, you can use it. And I'm like, nah, I'm not going <laughs> to. <But, laughs> anyway, um, you know, I ask and I tell the story. He's like, yeah, sure. So we had this um, prospective client. He interviewed well. And our first step on the interview process is we, we asked the prospect, go look at our website. We've got videos up there from some of our team members. Watch some of those. They're all, every video is you know, a very different personality. Mm-hmm. Watch those and see if that's a vibe that when you watch that, if you're not excited about doing business with us, then you might not be a fit. If you are excited, go ahead and book the call, right? And we'll do an initial, initial that's discovery. That's a good call. idea. So um, this guy got through that process and then he talked to our senior team. Now, one of the people that we have working with us is, um, I use the word empath because I don't have a better term and Empathy has not been scientifically measured, but she somehow seems to know how people are feeling. Okay. And she's really good at it. So like, okay, that's valuable. Let's listen to that. Um, and, you know, she gave him the green light too. So we started doing business with him. And uh, I found out that he was being really obnoxious to one of my, um, one of my female staffers, mm. one of our closers. So. She came to me because of the flat organization structure, and we can go into a little detail on how to manage that if you want, if it would help your listeners. But yeah, I'd love because, to. Because that's working for us, she came to me first. And because she is who she is, and it's just her personality, she says, like, I'm not really sure I should speak up. I'm like, no, always speak up. 
Yep. There's nothing you could say to me that I'm not going to hear and listen to. So, well, and, and, and let me clarify while that may make her feel like this is not a big deal right now, it's like it's not a big deal right now, it's just a little speck. The next time it happens, the next time it happens, the next, oh, yeah, it's building and building and building yeah. until they're just completely unhappy. So, you don't want to let it, you don't, right? You don't want to let anything snowball ever. Yeah. So, she said, Okay, well, here's what he said to me, and and I said, Okay, there's two things going on. And first of all, you guys are from different cultures, different generations, different countries. He didn't, in my opinion, um, I don't think he meant what you thought he meant. Now, it wasn't okay that he said it, it was, and, and we're going to address it, um, but I want you on the call. So like, I don't want to do that. I'm like, okay, you don't have to do that. I want you to listen to the recording of the call and see how you like how I handled it and give me some feedback on how I handled it. How did the way I handled it make you feel? Because you're staying. We want you here. You're staying. We, he's the one we need to address, but we want to give him a chance mm-hmm. because, you know, communication errors happen. You know, it, it can happen. So, um, again, the call with the guy I'm recording it. He's even more obnoxious with me than he was with her. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, okay, what changed, man? This is coming from pain somewhere. And are we doing that's, something that's wrong? That's a powerful or, question. Yeah. Are we doing something wrong on our end? Did something change in the way that we're handling things? Or is there something going on in your company? Or, you know, your life? What, and how do we help you? Because even if we don't do any more business from today forward, I still want to be of service. I want to help. And, uh, yeah, he didn't. He didn't share a whole lot, but it wasn't anything to do with us. And I said, if you want to move forward, we're, you know, you need to learn. We're going to do some role plays with you on how to talk to people from her generation, her culture. You don't have to change who you are, but you need to learn some different verbiage, some different ways to say what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. So that, it's received the way that you meant it to be received. Because not everybody hears what you think you said. Right. Right. I, I learned this when I met my wife. Misunderstanding. <laughs> yeah. not, not everyone hears what you think you said. So, uh, yeah. And he just said, no, I don't want to do that. That's, you know, it's too touchy feely for me. I am the way I am. I'm like, okay, God bless you. Um, we're done. You know, here's our exit plan. Tell you know, cause we, we're not just going to drop something. Right. And, uh, right. Yeah, that was it. And I'm like, and can I talk to everybody about this? He's like, yeah, go ahead. I'm like, can you say that again? <laughs> you know, I'm recording this. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. That's recording. It's fine. I'm like, okay, I'm just verifying because, you know, I want you to come back later and say, oh, you shouldn't tell people that. So yeah. he's, he knows I tell the story and he's cool with it. So how did, uh, how did she, your employee react uh, she made another couple of videos that we have on our website. Now she was so excited. <laughs> she just went filmed herself a couple of times and, um, she's been really happy with it. And she's, she's, and here's another benefit. Every business needs prospecting, right? Yep. No, nobody's in business to get smaller. So even though some companies might give off that <laughs> appearance, yeah, she went out and did more prospecting for us than we ever expected. 
Wow. Uh, it's not something we expect people to do. We expect it to happen organically because they're excited that they will tell people. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, she went out and she just started, she started sending me contacts. She was making saying, Hey, here's some people that want to talk to us. That's she, she, she was more confident in knowing that you had her back. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. That's a great um, story. Yeah, oh. and, and you know what? She is, she has been like, she tells other people now it's like, no, no, it's real. If you have a problem or something to say, you can call Mike, you can call James, you can call Camille. They'll listen. See, call, that's call one of your, call one of your top three. Cause they're listening. Yeah. Is, okay. So that's, that's neat because this is maybe a, a nice segue for the, the third point. Um, and that story kind of, uh, kind of aligns with this and transferring. How do you transfer culture to clients? Yeah. So, um, because I'm an engineering nerd, I mapped out a process um, and I had everything down on my Excel spreadsheets, how this should all play together and all the moving parts. And then uh, I went over it with my, you know, my two vice presidents and they were like, yeah, let's put a human element in here. <laughs> um, so what it comes down to is this, in a nutshell, the first 30 days that we're working with a client is all about us learning their company culture, their company vibe. You know, we're, as I say, we're in the trenches with their team, mm. whatever size that team is. Okay. Part of this is us looking for where the holes are that we can supplement and help them with. Part of it's looking for the places that um, they've got covered so well that we need to learn from them. And then in the process of learning their culture super well by working with them over 30 days, then we start getting on the phones with their prospective clients. Then we start bringing in the deals for them and, and closing money for them and, and bringing them the money. But transferring that to their customers, because we've been living it for 30 days, it's now we're thing. able, now we're able, we're on the phone. It's like, we know who their ideal client avatar is. We know the kind of language they use. So we're on the phone. We can start identifying as somebody a good fit. Can you go into detail on some of the things like... Sure. So some of our clients, they say, yes, I have a mission. I've, they don't have it written down. And if you ask them three times, they'll give you three different answers, similar, but three different ones. But they don't have that stuff kind of written down. Do all the clients you work with have everything written down and they're very clear on who their avatar and, they're, and they know exactly what their culture is? Or do you ever no. have to kind of work with them? <laughs> they don't. You right? have to work with almost all of them. Yeah. So how do you do... Um, how do you learn what their culture is in 30 days if, if they don't really know themselves? They've kind of been spitballing their way. I call it napkin business owners, right? They kind right, of been right. napkining their way across, you know, idea. I'll write it down on a napkin. I'll get to that later. Oh, I have another idea, you know, or post-its. Um, we, do do we do it by asking questions. So, for example, um, one guy that I approached because I was reading his LinkedIn profile, I thought he might be a good prospective client for us. Um, and I just sent him a one-line email, Star Trek or Star Wars, question mark. Now, the reason that makes sense here is because I live and work in Austin, Texas. There's a bazillion tech startups here. Mm -hmm. Some of them are our clients. Some of them are not. So I sent a question out like that to somebody in Austin. I'm going to learn one thing right away. Are they a science fiction nerd like me or they're not? So this guy is. So we start talking. Now, he's a napkin business owner. Everything's on napkins. <laughs> but what he's created is phenomenal. 
and he's really good at what he does. So like, okay, now we start asking questions. Who's working for you? Who's working with you? That's not an employee, but you've just brought them in as an ally or joint venture, whatever. Um, how are you getting your funding? You know, do you own 40%, do you owe 40% equity to some venture capital firm? You know, what's your situation? How many fingers are in this pie? And through that, we start to discover culture. And I started asking questions like, okay, when, you know, we always hated the stupid interview question years ago. I'm sure you had it too. It's like, name one of your greatest failures, name one of your greatest successes. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to give them all this detail, right? It's like, no, there's a better way to ask that. It's like, okay. So if, if I brought you a client today that had these needs for your product, your service, could you fulfill all of those or which one of those would you be scrambling to fill? When they start answering that question, I start learning so much about their culture. Systems, processes. Yeah. Yeah. And is, is the founder someone that has already thinking about delegating? Are they thinking about sharing or are they kind of person that's hanging on to things so tight that they're already becoming a bottleneck before they have enough business to be a bottleneck? If that makes sense, right? Yeah. Are they, are they pre-bottlenecking? Um, another one, you can tell so much by somebody's gatekeeper. Mm. Now, by gatekeeper, I mean the person that answers the phone or is at the front desk mm -hmm. um, because most of the time they've been hired to keep people or to screen, right? Their job yep. really is to figure out who gets through. And that's cool. It's totally mm -hmm. cool. But it almost becomes this, this kind of sad commentary on human nature, <laughs> If I walk into a place, and I don't, I just walk in and see how is the gatekeeper acting, and I can tell by the way they're acting how they're being treated by their bosses. Mm. And that's only because I've been doing this thirty something years, right? I've been talking mm -hmm. to gatekeepers a long time, um, and and years ago I ran an experiment. I just started. I decided lawyers were a good test case. I started calling lawyers around. Austin, Dallas, and Houston. And so I know I'm going to get a gatekeeper, right? I know I call up, but I go, okay, I'm doing gatekeeper practice. Can you give me five minutes? They're like, what? And I go, yeah, because I'm trying to figure out what are the common things when I'm talking to somebody's gatekeeper to figure out if their company is a good company for me to work with. And, you know, nine times out of 10, they're like, oh, what do you want to know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and that one time out of 10 that doesn't give you the time of day that you definitely know scratch them off <laughs> yeah but it, it was like that started in the rocket business when we we're trying to find suppliers to supply us with you know a lot of these are one-off parts they're going to design and make and ship to us right mm -hmm. but the orders are worth a lot of money but they're not high volume right. and so you know and and then you start to learn and I've just transferred that into constant closures now. It's like, okay, um, I can tell so much, but I can tell something about culture from a LinkedIn profile on a website. I can tell a lot more when I'm talking to a gatekeeper on the phone. And I can tell the most when I ask a company uh, runner, what I said, president, founder, whatever, the person running things. When I ask him, okay, if you broke both your legs in an accident, God forbid, today, and I hope that never happens to you, but let's pretend it did. Who runs your operations? And if I hear silence, <laughs> I, 
I know they don't have a culture of delegation. They certainly don't have a flat organization. And that's okay. Not every organization needs to be flat. But that's some of the ways we figure out culture. Um, when we're working with somebody during that 30 days, it's because we're on the phones. If they've already got a sales team, you know, we say, okay, it's, it's not optional. We're going to be on the phone with you. We're going to be silent, but we're listening live as you're talking to a prospect and we're making notes. Now, your, your deal when you get the prospect on the phone is tell them, okay, you know, I've got, you know, I've got Mike or Fred or Camille or Kate here with me. Um, they're just taking notes as we talk. Is that okay? Just let you know they're on the phone. So everything's above board, but then, you know, we're able to give some real feedback, like right after the call, it's like, okay, we saw these things that were really awesome. And these other things that probably would have taken that call in a different direction. Here's why. Yeah. Well, that's uh, fantastic. I, you know, I, I love the examples. This is all, if, if, if I go back the three main genius mistakes is number one, uh, the leader is their own bottleneck. Number two, uh, you, you don't earn enough respect in a flat um, organization. And we went into talking about what that is and, and how you can get people to be okay, how, how you can encourage people to make it, make it okay to you know, voice their opinion, so to speak, and, and not be uh, talked down to or you know, not, not have that fear. And then number three was how do you transfer culture to clients? And you were you were very illustrative in your examples. And I think it was, this is going to be very helpful. Um, cool. at, out of respect for your time, I want to see, uh, we'll probably be wrapping up here pretty soon, but I'd love to learn how people could reach out to you and learn more about you. Yeah. So we love helping people. And I want everybody, if you're running a company, you need to know this one truth about business. You can only help some help so many people by yourself. So I want, I want everybody out there to learn how to help more people by expanding, right? Um, how people can get a hold of us is go to www.constantclosers.com. Watch the videos. If you like what you're seeing and it fits your vibe and it resonates with you, uh, there's a box there where you can send us an email. Send us an email. Say that you heard me talking to the great and famous Jamie J and I was totally humble. You know, make some fun. No, have fun with it. Make some yeah. fun comment and in Tell there. them whether or not you prefer Star Wars or Star Trek. Star Trek, yeah. <laughs> There's only one right answer. I'm not going to tell you what that is. Um, but yeah, what we're going to do for every, anybody that takes the time to do that, we're going to give you a free 45-minute role play with one of our senior level closers. Oh, wow. Um, and what that what that's going to do is we're going to be able to give you feedback on how you're approaching your business deals. Well, and I, and I can tell, tell you, Mike, um, you were so kind in, uh, in helping me out with somebody that I talked to who did not become a client, by the way. Um, and I sent you over, uh, I asked permission to record um, uh, what we call as an introductory call or a consultation call. I'm sorry. And I sent you over that call and you replied back with so many fantastic ideas. And this is an example of me being vulnerable, of uh, being open to constructive criticism, to change, to suggestion. 
And uh, a lot of what you wrote back to me were clearly, and I look at it now, I'm like, duh, yeah, why didn't I do that? Or what's wrong with me? But it, it takes that, sometimes it takes someone outside to kind of take a look at that and see what's going on there. And from, from your feedback, I've completely changed the way I approach my consultations now or anybody in the company approaches their consultations. So it's, I, I'm, I'm giving you kudos right now because it, um, it really, really helped us out. And if anyone ever wants to get an opportunity similar to this, and by the way, um, I know this is not normally something you do for free. So this is a, this is a huge, it could literally change the direction of your company with regards to increased sales. Literally. Overnight. No joke. You can, uh, I, I cannot say how much I was impressed with your response. You took some time, you thought about it. I could tell you actually went through and, and watched the interaction um, instead of just kind of copy and pasting an answer to me. And I think that uh, having an opportunity to go through something like this, a, a mock kind of call or something like this, uh, I, I, it's, it's ingenious and invaluable in my opinion. Well, thanks, Jamie. I appreciate that. It was re really fun to uh, get the chance to do that for you. Yeah, it was amazing. It, was, uh, it turned the lights on in a lot of rooms in my brain that, that went dormant for a while. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's constantclosers.com, right? Yep. Yes. And then, and then they go, uh, is there a button or something after they watch the videos? Is there a certain page they go to to fill out a form? Uh, so it's all on the homepage. When you see it... Okay. Um, the, the top video is me and all my geekiness. And then down awesome. below, there's five more videos from five of our team members. Okay. And there's a button that'll say apply now. Okay. And there's just a little, uh, I think it's an eight step thing. It's all on one screen because we oh, want to keep it real easy. It's like name, email, and then we ask what your business vision is. And then you just, you send that in and we'll schedule a time. And like I said, um, make the comments as you heard it on Jamie J. Yeah. Let them know culture eats strategy. You heard you heard Mike talking culture. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> okay, so before we wrap up, is there anything else you'd like to say? Um, message, uh, wisdom, share, anything like that. Yeah, and this is particularly going out. If you're in any position of leadership anywhere, be aware. Uh, you can be in a two person company even, but it's more common the the larger the company. If you really want to kill your company, if you really want to see your shares of stock grants go to zero, jump on people when they make mistakes, because that's just the most brilliant thing. Of course, I'm being sarcastic. Yes. But seriously, treat people decent. You want to know what the mistakes are before someone else finds out. You want to have a chance to address them. And when you address an error that's been made, you do it with the person that made it and you do it in this way. You just say, okay, what's the recovery plan? How can I support you to recover from this? I love that. You just said two questions there. What and how, not why. Yes. Never why. why. You do that? That's because the worst question you can ask. It's irrelevant. Well, and, and it'll piss someone off. <laughs> yeah. Or, just, or, or they'll shut down. It's, it's counterproductive. That's exactly what happens. Uh, you're, you're what I call, what I call your deeper thinkers. Uh, I didn't say they're thinking about more important things. I just said they're thinking more deeply. So they're more focusing on, on 
fewer in a certain things, area. Yeah. They will tend to withdraw. They're like, I got criticized. I'm never telling that idiot anything again, ever. Now, that's not a person you want. That's, I say that's not a type of thinking that you want in your organization. You're yeah. very em- empathetic, touchy-feely um, type thinkers will get emotionally hurt. And your thinkers that go around saying, you know, I don't care what anybody but me thinks are going to be emboldened to go their own direction without your permission. Yeah. <laughs> So there's yeah. no good effect from jumping on people. No. The only Absolutely. time I've ever seen jumping on people actually work is in boot camp, and it works for you know it works for that period because they're trying to train everybody to be part of a cohesive team that will literally go into gunfire together. Mm-hmm. That's why jumping on people works in that environment. But when you graduate boot camp, they don't jump on you like that anymore. No. So. You know, if you if if you're in a position of authority and you think jumping on somebody's a good idea, honestly, I just would prefer you pick up the phone and call us and say I'm thinking about jumping on somebody because yeah. we will we won't give anybody your name obviously, but we will also tell you okay, breathe, <laughs> calm down. Yeah, and and to go back earlier in what you said, like what what's happened, what's changed. I love that question. What's yeah. changed? That what's could changed? Be, that's what I'm taking away from this is any, in any conflict resolution, that is such a great conversation starter. What's changed? And it could be so vague. It could be as simple as that. Oh what's yeah. Changed. Yeah. And just let them riff. <laughs> and the answers you get are like, you know, it's gold. Oh yeah. Because Sometimes people just need that, particularly people that are in the C-suite that think they can't say things like that. Yeah. When they, when they really believe and know for real that it's true that you're not going to share anything they say without their permission, and they'll say things, it's like, okay, so you're screaming at that guy because you know your 17-year-old crashed the car yesterday. Mm. Well, hmm. that's not the right outlet. How do we help you adjust that? Because you need to be making out making more sales for your company. Yeah. You need to be bringing in more revenue. You need to be building excitement with your team. You don't need to be worrying about all this other stuff. Well, it doesn't need to transfer to yelling at somebody that just messed something up at work. Yeah. But yeah. if you take the other approach and say, okay, what changed? How did this mistake happen? What's your recovery plan? And they look at you with a blank face going, I didn't have a recovery plan. I thought you were going to fire me. <laughs> like you say to them, I'm not going to fire you. I want you to recover from this. How can I help you? And what resources do you need? Yeah. What can to I do recover? to you? And take, you know, you say this to somebody that's used to dealing in the sui suite and used to all the travel and all the things that go along with that. Like, well, that's what I have middle managers for. I'm like, no, <laughs> not really. <laughs> no, no. Well, I love it. And uh, I can't thank you enough again for your time today, Mike. It's uh it's it's been great. And we went a little bit longer than I normally do, but I, I couldn't I couldn't stop. I found it very interesting. So thank you for sharing your wisdom. Oh well, I don't have wisdom, I just have experience. <laughs> thank you, Jamie. <laughs> thank you for making me sound smart. <laughs> Coming from a rocket scientist. (laughs) 
Oh, that's fantastic. Well, um, yeah, thank you so much. Uh, if you'll hold on one quick second, we'll go ahead and wrap up. Yep. Um, thank you to Mike Sackmary. Go to constantcloser's.com. Go to check out the videos. Uh, if you, if, if like he says, if you get a good vibe off it, if you feel like this is something that can really help you out in your business, I highly encourage it from my own personal experience uh, to go and check it out. Give him a, give him a shout, give him a try and, and make sure you put down there. Hey, I heard you on Jamie's podcast, Culture Eat Strategy, and uh, they'll give you an opportunity uh, to kind of do a role play with you. And they'll, and I promise you, they'll be very kind in the delivery and the suggestion and just be open to that. As a matter of fact, I challenge you just to do this as, as, a, as an, a, maybe a test for yourself um, or a trial for yourself, just so that you can go through the experience of having a third party analyze what it is that you're doing. By all means, you're probably doing a great job, even if you're increasing and growing and all of that stuff but there's absolutely nothing wrong. As a matter of fact, more than nothing wrong, this is something you should be doing to review your processes, your systems, what it is that you're doing, and find, and especially as you grow, you, you'll identify more friction points or more areas that are preventing you to grow even more effectively or efficiently. So highly, highly, highly encourage you. And, 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 and let me know. If you do this, let me know. Send me an email, info at bottleneck.online. I'd love to hear what your experience was like and, and uh, love to hear what you thought, what you learned. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely interested in this and I, I cannot recommend uh, chatting with Mike enough. So go to constantclosers.com. Uh, we'll go ahead and wrap up for today. I know it was a little bit longer than normal, but hope you enjoyed what you heard. My name is Jamie J, host of Culture Eats Strategy. Uh, the late, great Peter Drucker, big inspiration to me. He wrote the book, Culture Eat Strategy for Breakfast. Uh, and so I just absolutely love everything that he was doing there. Um, so if you don't know who Peter Drucker is or you have a vague idea who he is, go check him out. Do Google him, uh, learn more about him because a lot of the stuff that he was doing uh, helped out a lot of people. And it really impacted me in a positive manner with regards to culture. So thanks so much to Mike Sackmary, uh, constantclosers.com. Uh, you can learn more uh, about this. I'll be putting everything into the show notes. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's about it. Go to culture.bottleneck.online to listen to the show, or you can go anywhere you hear podcasts. Um, and have a great day. We'll talk to you again soon. Um, oh yeah, don't forget. You can also go check out bottleneck.online. Get rid of all that overwhelm. <laughs> Thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon.